0: Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray.
1: Father, we thank you for the life of Naomi and Ruth. Lord, we thank you for documenting for us the path that you took them down so that we could see your goodness. Help us, Lord, today as we study to see more of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, if you turn to that book that uh, was in your Bible yesterday, but maybe you can't find it today, (laughs) Ruth. And to verse uh, chapter 1, verse 15, Ruth 1, 15, as so we uh, continue in, in our study there. And uh, Ruth 1 and verse 15, and she said, this is now uh, Naomi speaking, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be, or already is, my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will I die, and there will I be buried. And God do so to me, and more also, if aught but death. Part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And so they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. "...for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her, sister, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest." Now, it's been some time since we've studied the book of Ruth and so since we've really looked into this book... And in our last study, you remember that we focused particularly on verse 21 where it says, where she said, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And so why call me then Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Lord is aff- the Almighty has afflicted me. Now, you remember, Naomi and her husband, their two sons, they had forsaken. They left. The people of God they, lo- they left god 's land, Israel, they left the Jewish people, and we saw from verse one that they left because of a terrible famine that had taken place. They left Israel and they tried to just blend in with uh, with the people of Moab. I like that they just they tried to just blend in. It reminds me when um, of John van Duzer, my right hand man at work and, and really good friend from South Dakota. And so he was recently over in, in our company compound in Ethiopia, in Budajira. And John and I, are uh, we occupy the same amount of space, and, um, <laughs> and it's quite different from the people in Budajir, where there's not one ounce of fat on any of them, and there's no white person in Budajir either. And so when, when I was in Budajir, I've had Ethiopian kids come up to me and just stare at me and then touch my belly, you know. Is that real? They <laughs> never saw a white person, much less that size. Anyone before... Now, Abu is, is a 95% conservative Muslim community. And so anything we do, we have to get permission from the Muslim elders. But that's not nothing to worry about. It's very safe. That's why we have a nine-foot solid concrete wall about a half a mile long, two types of barbed wires around it, four guard towers at the corners, and an AK-47 machine gun. Apart from that, it's very safe. And so <laughs> at this particular time, when John was over there, the uh, purchaser, Steve, back here in the States... He was searching on the U.S. State Department website and he had found that they had just issued a terrorist alert for Ethiopia and asked all Americans not to be seen in public. And so immediately he sent this notice over to John at 4 p.m. our time, which was 2 a.m. in the morning, John's time. And so there's John, and he's in one of our guest rooms there in our compound, Ethiopia. And he's reading this terrorist alert from the State Department that all Americans should not be seen in Ethiopia. And as John's reading this, you can imagine his eyes are getting bigger and bigger, and he's concerned. And it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and John's in the middle of the conservative Muslim community. He's three hours from the airport, and he's wondering what he's going to do. And so at the bottom of the email, Steve writes, In there, his advice, and his advice is three words, and he said, just blend in. That was his advice. Just blend in. <laughs> now, those three words that Steve wrote to John, emailed to John, just blend in. That explains the first part of our chapter here. Because these three words are very important for us to remember. Just blend in. Because these are the three words that we have. It Really, it's, it's a restatement at the end of verse 2 where it says they went to Moab and they continued there. What does that mean? That means that they just tried to blend in. Like John in Ethiopia, they really couldn't just blend in in Moab. But when it says they came into the country in verse 2 and they continued there, they not only came into the country of Moab, they continued there. So they continued there meant they just were trying to just blend in. They tried to assimilate with the Moabites. Naomi's husband tried to just blend in. But the tragedy struck in verse 3 as Naomi's husband died and then there was just Naomi and her two sons and then in verse 4, it tells us that the sons tried to just blend in and assimilate because they went ahead and married two Moabite women there, and one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. And then verse 5 tells us that the, the attempt of these two sons to just blend in, it also ended in tragedy as they died. So, Verse five, when we came to verse five in Ruth, we saw this grand, grand failure of a Jewish family to just blend in with the Moabites. And so it, it and, and it always will end that way. It always goes that way in a failure for a believer. A believer cannot just, just blend in. Moses was in Egypt and he came to crossroads in his life there. Great decision. Great question was in front of Moses. And the question is, Moses, Are you going to just blend in with the Egyptians or not? Well, are you going to decide to not just blend in, Moses? And we see this crossroads. We see the decision that he made in Hebrews 11, 24 through 27, where it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him that is invisible. See, a word, there are words in these verses that are absolutely shout to us. The decision that Moses made, not to just blend in. When it says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That was a pivotal point in Pharaoh's life. That he made that decision, I will not just blend in. It would have been so easy for Moses to just blend in. All he had to do, just Moses accept the title already of you are the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's the harm to that? All he had to do was forget about the people of God, just blend in. But Hebrews eleven twenty-five tells us Moses, he could have enjoyed The pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is full of pleasures for a season. Sin says, "Play now, pay later." God says, "In Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death. To play now in sin is to face death, eternal death. Later, for the believer to just play now in sin and just blend in, just blend in. How? By not telling everyone at work." that I'm a worshiper and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just blend in. Don't make waves. Just blend in to do what the other your other lost friends do. Just do it. Never say there's anything wrong with what they do. Just blend in. Drink that liquor. Just blend in with the group. Laugh at those dirty jokes. Just blend in. Just blend in. Never try to get friends saved. That's offensive. That will destroy your friendship. Just blend in. It would have been so easy for Moses to just blend in when anyone introduced Moses. Oh, here's Moses. Here's Moses. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't say anything, Moses. Just blend in. But Moses replied, no, I'm not. I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of those slaves out there. I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't you call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm I'm the son of Amram and Jacobed, the Hebrew slaves. That's what it means when it says in Hebrews eleven twenty five 25, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, don't you call me that. And it means that anyone who called Moses the son of Pharaoh's daughter, quick as a flash, Moses would snap back and say, no, I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm the son of a Hebrew slave. And just as Moses protested, it's the same way with Christians when they're called and say, is there a difference between you and the lost? Quick as a flash, the Christian says, I'm not one of the lost, I'm not of this world. I'm a Christian. You can do what you want. I live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses said, you can take all your treasures of Egypt. I'm going to forsake them. I'm going to choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The people of God live differently from the people of the world. The people of God suffer affliction that the people of the world don't suffer. But there's one thing that the people of God do not do they do not try to just blend in. They don't do that. And that's what this family did here in Ruth 1. It was a grand failure. And verse 5 tells us the failure they had to just blend in because there in verse 5, we left Naomi and the loss of her husband and her two sons. They left Naomi all alone. And in verse 6, Naomi knew that it was wrong to just blend in with the Moabite people. So she decided to go back and rejoin herself with the people of God. And then we saw in verses 7 through 13, that Naomi's two daughter-in-laws, they had said they'd return with her to the people of God. And so what we have is a Jewish mother in the height of arguing, which you don't want to be a part of, and that's verses 7 through 13. And in verse 14, she's able to persuade or dissuade Orpah, but Naomi is not able to dissuade Ruth. And then in verse 15, she tries one last time to dissuade Ruth, and this time she tries to just blend in argument, and she says, you need to go back, you need to go back, just blend in again with your people and with your gods. And when Naomi challenged Ruth with this last challenge to just go back, just blend in again with your people and your gods, that's when Ruth steps up to the plate and makes this beautiful testimony Declaration, verses 16 and 17. It's her personal First Peter 2:10 declaration. It's her first Peter 2:10 testimony that she's taking her stand and she says, "Look, for me, in time past, I was not a people, but now I'm the people of God. I'm part of the people of God. I had not returned mer- obtained mercy, but now I've obtained mercy." So verse 16 is where Ruth is saying, "Thy people are my people." and thy God, my God. And she's saying, I'm now a part of the people of God. So verses 16 through 17 is Ruth's declaration that she's not going back to just blend in with the Moabite people. Even if there's a famine in the land, even if there's affliction in the land of Israel, Ruth says, I'll suffer affliction with the people of God. And I won't enjoy those sins, those pleasures of sin in Moab anymore. And so in verse 18, Naomi believes her. No, Naomi gives up because she knew that, you know, the forehead was stronger. You know, Ruth's forehead was stronger than Naomi's, so there was no sense to beat on that anymore. So in verse 19, we saw how they came, they both came into Bethlehem. See, in verse 19. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. Now, looking at verse 18, where it says that Naomi could see that Ruth was steadfastly minded. There was no sense in verse 19 to argue anymore. So it says they both went until they came to Bethlehem. We can imagine as they were walking at this point, you know, know, there's silence. It's like a silence, you know, they're walking together. Naomi's not really happy at all with Ruth, but, you know, they're going alone. But really, when you step back and you look at 19, it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of two going together. So it's just Naomi and Ruth. And, and this is the way the rest of their lives is going to be. Naomi is beautiful. For Naomi, it's a homecoming. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's 10 years or so since she's been away and since Naomi's left Bethlehem and she's coming home. But not exactly for Ruth. For Ruth, she's never been to Bethlehem. We can just imagine the excitement in, in Ruth's heart is, as they approach Bethlehem and, and she's asking all these questions because she, this is now her people. She's now a part of the people of God, and she's about to meet the people of God. She'd never known the people of God, except for Naomi. You now a precious picture there of a new Christian, of a new believer, of a believer who has just been saved, and he doesn't know other Christians, except for maybe the person who led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's the time for him to bring him to church, meet the people of God. And we see at the end of verse 19, how the people of God can be a little rude. <laughs> when they say, "Is this Naomi?" And sometimes the people of God at a church don't act like the people of God. <laughs> and so, and Ruth, welcome to the people of God. They can be, she says, they can be a little rough around the edges, but they're still the people of God. You know, so it's a good thing that you became a. Uh, it's a good thing, Ruth. Naomi talked to Ruth. It's a good thing, Ruth. You became a part of the people of God because of the God part, and not because of the people part. <laughs> because sometimes the people part are a little hard to take. But anyway, so we see now what happened when Naomi arrives in Bethlehem. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass, come to Bethlehem. All the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? So when it says, they went, went until they came to Bethlehem, and all the moving of the city. That we can see the, the headlines of the newspapers in Bethlehem. Gone for 10 years, Naomi returns home alone, or, or maybe with her Moabitess. So evidently, Naomi was very well known in Bethlehem. I mean, how big was it anyway? And they were a very prominent and promising family. It must have been a shock When the family left, the family of four left from Moab originally, and probably there's been no news. Whatever happened to Elimelech and Naomi and the sons and so forth, whatever happens to the Bethlehem, well, here she comes. All of a sudden, one day, she comes. And she must have looked like a sight. And, of course, the women of Bethlehem, they're so tactful when they greet her, you know, just like a little kid that sees a mole on a face and says, Yo! He says, you know, what's that black thing on your face? Get a tissue and wipe it off. You know, <laughs> were you born that way or, you know, <laughs> why doesn't somebody fix it? You know, <laughs> when it, when there's people rushing out. They come rushing out to Naomi and with their, is this Naomi you know it must have made her feel really good you know <laughs> Naomi are you really Naomi you look so terrible what happened to you you know and so you know verse 20 she responds back and she says Naomi means pleasantness and Mara means bitterness so Naomi says to the group don't call me that anymore don't call me Naomi don't call me pleasant call me bitter so here we see Naomi acknowledging that she has been reduced She's been reduced. She didn't look good physically. She'd been reduced to poverty. And she probably has had to sell everything that she had just to come back home. Naomi had sold all that she had in order to make the trip back to Bethlehem. She had nothing. And so when she arrives, the city of Bethlehem is moved. And, and the word moved there means it's in, it's in an uproar. It, it's in, and the whole city is asking, what happened to Naomi? How did she get reduced to this poverty And then she replies, don't call me that anymore. Now, Naomi acknowledges here when she says that. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And she says, the Almighty has chastened me. My sin was I left the people of God, and I tried to blend in with the Moabites. And what's interesting in her response here is that she has chosen one word for God, and she holds on to this word. And she says, you know, I'm not going to call him Adonai, I'm not going to call him Elohim, I'm not going to call him El, I'm going to call him Almighty, the Almighty. And she uses, uses that, she knows she uses that word in verse 20 and verse 21. And she's thinking about what happened in verse 20. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And then she says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And so she calls God the Almighty, the Almighty had testified against me. So she, when she's thinking about God, and he do this to her, she says, he's the Almighty. Now the word she used, the word for Almighty, is the word Shaddai. She didn't say El Shaddai. El Shaddai is God, El, God the Almighty. So she just said Shaddai. She calls Shaddai. It's a very interesting word especially when you consider the root meaning of this word Shaddai. It's not altogether clear, but one idea is the root meaning of this comes from an unused Hebrew root word shada, And shada means to water or to make grow, you know, by water. Still, Still used in some Arabic today, and to water, to make grow. The sense is to make grow. As a matter of fact, What's used, today means breast. In Hebrew and Arabic, shata means breast. And so the original meaning is still preserved in the sense that the breast makes the milk, the babies grow. And so this word shaddai is first introduced to us in Genesis. And when we study the use of it in the context of how it's used, we always see shaddai in the context of blessing or fruitfulness. It was in Genesis 17, 1 when God said, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine? the Lord appeared to him and said, I am almighty, I am Shaddai. I am Shaddai, I'm almighty God, I'm El Shaddai, I'm Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect or fruitful. When Isaac was blessing Jacob in Genesis 28:3, it says, and God almighty, Shaddai, and Shaddai, bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And then when God spoke to Abraham, so see the context we're getting here? Blessing, fruitfulness, Shaddai, the water to make grow. And then God speaks to Jacob in Genesis 35, 11. He says, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty, I'm Shaddai. He said, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, a company nation shall be of thee, kings out of your loins. And then when Jacob is speaking to Joseph, his son, in Genesis 48.3, it says, Jacob said unto Jacob, God Almighty, God Shaddai, Shaddai, appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me, Shaddai, blessing, Shaddai, fruit. And then Jacob on his deathbed, and he's blessing Joseph in Genesis 49.25, and he says, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty, Shaddai, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under blessings of the breasts and of the womb see shaddai blessings blessings shaddai fruit fruit so it's always in this context of shaddai is in the it's a good good explanation that shaddai comes from mean water to make fruitful make grow so naomi uses this word shaddai for god she's thinking god is the one who is like who's the blesser god is the one who makes the water like the waters to grow And referring to God as the source of water that makes things grow, that carries through in the Hebrew for the word heaven. Heaven is shamayim. So there's the two words put together. Sham is there. Mayim is water. So in other words, God says, look, when you look to heaven, you just remember that's the place where water comes from. Water's over there. Water up there. And we know the power of water. We live in San Diego. What would we be without water? We'd dry up like everything else. And you go to El Centro. In El Centro, what is El Centro? When you drive there, the, the part that's not watered, it's terrible. It's, it's desert, scorched, no green. All is dead. But when the water is brought to El Centro, you see this bursting out of, of fruit, supplying a major supplier, vegetables in the U.S. Why? Water. The Lord Jesus Christ said, he was die, or the one that brings water, in John seven thirty seven, last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, if anyone is, is really thirsty for life, you should come to him, and he'll give him, because he's Shaddai. He's going to give him the water. John 1, 4, and him was life, and the life was the light of men. In fact, Shaddai is brought out by calling this water the water of life. It says that in John 14, when he's speaking to the woman at the well, he said, whoever gives the water that I'll give him never thirst. The water I give him in a water, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. In Revelation 21, 6, it says, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. There's that phrase, the water of life, freely And again, in in Revelation 22, 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. So as Naomi keeps emphasizing the Shaddai to her, she keeps emphasizing that she's thinking the one who makes things grow, the one who blesses, the one who makes fruitful. And by her use of Shaddai, she's saying that he chastened me to help me. He didn't chasten me in judgment to destroy me. And when we're chastened by the Lord, it's only because He loves us, as He says in Hebrews twelve six: "Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourges every son whom He receiveth." The Lord was talking to David about his son Solomon in Second Samuel seven fourteen. He said to David, "For your son, I'll be his father."
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere.